Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Naked Leadership Podcast. My name is Chad. This week, I'm with Dan and Adrian once again, and we're talking about the fun topic of time management. And you'll hear in this conversation that we quickly transform time management into what we're now calling time leadership, which I just absolutely love the idea that we are becoming leaders of our time and other people's time. And that, to me, is a very fun idea to play with. There's so many things inside of this conversation that really helped me. There were ahas for me. I can't wait for you to listen. Let's dive in. Dan, Adrian, how are you, gentlemen? Good. Above ground and happy that that's the case. (laughs) Yeah, excellent. I'm so grateful to be with both of you yet again. Dan, you're on the back end of of a training that I haven't heard much about yet, and I'm excited to hear more about that. Adrian, you've got so many exciting things going on. The Impact Series coming up in like, what, a week? I think registration for that at this point, by the time this episode will publish... Uh, registration is probably closed a little bit too late to jump in on that one in nashville but more to come yeah more to come yeah if people are listening to this now we're probably out of space in nashville but you can still go and apply and you can get in the in the hopper or at least in the conversation about the future ones that we're having and um so don't uh don't use the the kind of late timing to be to mean no timing well, I'll tell you what, the way these things are going, the way they're filling up and the way that the applications are flowing in, anybody who's interested in coming, I would be getting on the next one right about now. Yeah. So, well, excellent. I'm, I'm grateful to both of you uh, that we have time to do this and, and jump into a conversation. I've, I've been having a lot of meaningful conversations with some of my clients and with myself, quite honestly, about time management and what that is. And what it isn't and how do I relate to time, all of that kind of stuff. And I, and I thought it would be really fun to just really have an open conversation about um, what ideas, what philosophies, what questions are powerful for both of you when you think about the time that you have, how you spend it, how you relate to it, uh, all of that kind of stuff. I just, I'd love to just have a conversation about, you know, what comes up for you as we think about time management Um, I know it's for me, it's like really easy to make up that I don't have enough time. Uh, but there's really only enough time for what there's enough time for. (laughs) And, uh, and that's an interesting idea for me to live in, you know? Um, but I'm, I'm curious for each of you, maybe even just some self-evaluation right now, how are each of you relating to time and the time that you have? Well, since I'm the oldest, I don't have a lot left. Who knows? But that's not necessarily true. You never Dan, know. you better let get you your go. comments in quick. <laughs> I should let you go first, Dan, before you die. That's right. <laughs> um, I, you know, it's an interesting conversation. I, I think it's um, it's a symptom when people don't have when I don't have enough time. It's really a symptom, not the cause. And then I go around thinking I don't have enough time. And I'm trying to rearrange or manage my time. And I think it's a much deeper 
issue of called I, I I say it's a either a commitment issue like I have commitments that matter and how am I willing to give myself you know am I willing to be formed by my commitments and you know this kind of goes hand in hand with the whole logic around work life balance which we really talked about already and pretty extensively which is you know instead of balancing them how do we integrate them because there's never a balance and there's a time when I need to have more, more time with my family and my personal life. And then there's a time when I need to put, you know, a, a large amount of my focus and time into my business and career. And that really, I think has a lot to do with the underlying narrative that I've established myself in with my family and my partners, et cetera. And the tendency, I you know, for me, when there's a time management issue, I'm probably siloed, and um, I'm I've stopped asking what's wanted and needed to have it all turn out. Like sometimes it may be I need to grow my my team. Or it might be I need to ask for some personal help. Um, you know, it's like there's a number of things that I may not be willing to look at because I don't think I have the time. But there's usually something behind that, which is I don't think it's possible. I'm the only one who can do it. You know, there's a number of underlying conversations that can be revealed in the process of kind of getting to the nature of the of the time issue, right? Like the time issue is a good place to start because it's the symptom and then to work back into the cause like it was some inquiry. You know, and that's that's like what's really the issue. And you know, you might start with the symptom and then in the inquiry find out that oh, the issue is, you know, I need to expand as business is getting so good that now I have to reinvent how my way of being in the business. Mm-hmm. Like how do I maybe I have to offload some of that and so I can get to a more strategic uh position in the business above the business, you know, and how do I do that? Maybe I need to make some requests of my partners and I don't want to do that because somehow I feel that that puts me in a weaker position or it may not, they may not want to do it. There's a million different questions around it. And I think this, this causes that sense of loneliness that entrepreneurs feel because they don't think there's somebody out there they can reach into. They haven't set that up in their lives. They probably haven't shared their struggles with their spouses. So they feel like they're, you know, they're, constantly fighting with their spouses or family to get the time they need for their business. And they don't appreciate them because they're putting so much out there and, you know, the whole, the whole gambit of conversations that arise in that. So when I hear time management, that's what I hear this whole cacophony of conversations that are, that are worthy of investigating. And they usually lead to a new level of vulnerability and a new level of ex- excellence in, you know, like ordering my world and asking for what I want mm-hmm. and finding like being willing to hear no and to find the yes, <laughs> you know, and, and that, that takes some discipline. That's kind of a long and convoluted way of saying time management to me is a symptom. <laughs> I think it's brilliant. I was just, I was noting some of your, some of the common kind of common mythology that you're not ascribing to. Like what? Like, 
one of the things people say is like, time is the only fixed resource. <laughs> like that's a yeah. common one, right? It's like, yeah. kind of, but even, even, and because what happens after that is people say, protect your time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because that's right. We only have so much time. We have 24 hours, but that's a constraint. That's all that is. And it's necessity is the mother of all invention. So the, cons the constraint isn't the problem. It, it's the actually the opportunity. Mm -hmm. right? And now I'm going to have to reinvent how I am in the world, you know, during the time I have. Yeah. And if, you know, if you get off on being the guy who saves the day, if you get off on being the star on your team, well, then you're probably going to have the martyr complex and you're going to be complaining about how people don't support you and they don't appreciate all that you do. And, and you know, busy you're you alone and, and you can't get people to understand. And, you know, you know, it's just tough. It's tough being you. And, 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 you know, you've got to get people to understand what they need. You know, you can, you can be a little prima donna <laughs> and, and you won't, what you end up doing is rearranging the furniture in the Titanic and hitting up against that glass ceiling and wondering what it's going to take to break through. And, you know, for me, I've noticed in my own life, it's always, it always requires something I really up until that point see as a threat at some level. I've got to look into it as a possibility. I've got to explore it. I've got to call other eyes into it to help me look into not only the problem, but the way I'm relating to it, what's possible What's it going to take for me? Sometimes it's an investment I'm afraid to make. And so I'm up against my scarcity. So the constraint of time is really a blessing. Yeah. If that yeah. Makes sense. I wonder, it makes me wonder, how much time do I spend thinking about how little time I have? <laughs> you know, my, my, my grandfather used to say to me, if you spent as much time figuring out what you needed to do to do your homework, as you do complaining about it and whining about it and trying to get out of it, you would be a straight A student. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, anyway, I think it's, it's good. To, it's uh, There are some of these kind of cultural views on things that people eat, you know, without even exploring, you know, and, and that's one of them is one of the, the things I pointed out is like time is this limited commodity. So you better get defensive, defend your time, or even the fact that we call it time management. You better have boundaries, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And even the idea that it's time management yeah. instead of, instead of like time leadership, which is a whole different view or you know, possibility, it's like, possibility management. Yeah. And you know, we, we speak, really frequently around priorities and hierarchies of concern yeah, based on a vision and had, which has nothing to do with time. And, and um, you know, we, I, I know that my experience of how long something's going to take is always up for grabs. And, and, and my experience of how little time I have, is also a choice. Yeah. You know, like even in a very silly way, like I sent five or six text messages today to a handful of parents for my son's birthday that's coming up. And I've been, I had those lists and those numbers since Saturday and I didn't have the time to do it, quote unquote, didn't have the time to do it since Saturday. But really it only took about 
10 minutes to do it. So I did have the time. What I didn't have was something else, which is your point. So yeah. what are the other conversations that I'm in about the thing that I'm blaming on time? Well, you, I noticed this for me when our because our business is exploding. Yep. And I've noticed that the little bitch in my head comes up and I go, wait a minute, what are you bitching about? This is what you wanted. Now what? Right? <laughs> now you got it. Now what? And uh, I think about people that I know that are doing amazing things. Like I have a friend who just died. His name is Peter Welker. And uh, he was a big musician. He, he died of uh, COPD complications between COPD and pneumonia. And um, he, I was thinking about him because he just recently died. He was a good friend. He taught me how to play chess and he invent, I'll never forget it. He invented, so he played horns for average white band. He played with Jesse Cohen Young. He played with Tower of Power. You know, he, he was a big musician, big time musician. And he was always out playing jazz. He had the this, this sixth, but not only did he play jazz and not only that, but he studied chess. He was a world-class chess player. And I mean, I'm inside and out. And he listened to, he was really into music and philosophy and he built these games. He was really into making games and he built this get small baseball. But I remember thinking, how does he do all this stuff? I, I mean, he was always on time. He always had things in order, you know, and, and I remember watching him when he was very organized and he was very disciplined about, you know, when he was going to bed, when he was getting up, you know, and he, this guy played the horn. He had COPD. He played the, the, the trumpet. I mean, think about that. And he did it for years like 50 years, 60 years, and at a world-class level. And he wrote music and he arranged music and he taught kids music and he built these games. And this game, I mean, he sold games to, you know, Mattel and stuff like that. He was always doing something new and fantastic and he was good at completing them. And I, I remember thinking, I have as much time as him and I don't even do one third the shit he does and I'm overwhelmed. I mean, what the hell's going on in my head? Right? And it was always a, that was always the question for me is like, how come he has the same 24 hours? You know, if you think about Michelangelo, look what he did, or Leonardo da Vinci, or, you know, people of great, you know, Elon Musk. You know, the, the, these guys are getting a lot done. So they, there's something about leveraging their gift, their genius, that transcends time. And time is not the issue. Mm -hmm. right? So I, I, that helps me think. Well, I can certainly handle this if I get my if I just stop complaining about it and use that time to think about what's wanted and needed. Yeah. There's um something that I Dan, you you brought it up a couple of times, and I don't know if people caught it or not. Um, but you talked about requests. And um, you know, there's there's this <laughs> there's something about powerful requests that feels vulnerable or can feel vulnerable, at least for me, I'll just speak from my experience. Um, and, and you named some of those reasons, right. Is like, Oh, do I want to be the hero or do I look like the guy that, that does everything? Or am I insecure about my ability to enroll somebody to do something as well as I can, or is at least, you know, good enough for, for the task at hand, there's all kinds of stuff there, but it's so interesting to me. Um, you know, possibility is on the other side of a simple request or a powerful request. And, you know, but you got to be willing to make the request, right? Right. You got to form the request. I have a friend of mine uh, who is a trainer I trained and he wanted to expand his training business after he went out on his own. And 
he called me up one time. He said, you know, how do I do this? And I go, well, you can't be the only trainer. <laughs> and essentially his response was, but I'm the only one who can do it this well. <laughs> I said, well, remember when you came on with me, did I, you know, like I did, I, it, when, when you started training here, everybody wanted that you trained, wanted you as the trainer because they thought there was no other trainer and, and that could be as good as you. Right. And I think that's that, that the willingness to like I asked him, I said, what are you afraid of? And he said, well, I'm afraid they're going to go off and start their own company, which often happens. And I said, well, are there ways to set it up so that they see the value of staying with you? Right. And that conversation was really rewarding. Unfortunately, never he's never really gotten around to doing it. And I think that's because. Ultimately, that's still quite a fear, right? So making that request and making it in a way, like in that situation, in that context, in a way that you feel like you can partner with somebody and get in good faith and then really help them become excellent. I think a lot of leaders have a hard time with imparting uh, the kind of skills that they have coaching people into them. And I think a lot of that has to do with they're afraid that, A, they're not going to be as relevant as they were up until that point. I think, B, they're afraid that they may their people they train may advance faster than them. C, they may break off and go and they have to redo it again. I think these are realistic concerns that people have. And I, I think those are things that are worth talking about. But in order to talk about those things, you've got to be willing to put at risk the person's loyalty or that they may not want to do it. You may find out this isn't the person that you got to start all over again, but you know, you know what I mean? I think that, that this is like, I had a guy this weekend in this training I was in, he was, he kept saying, well, I can't get any good people. You know, it's just, there's not good people out there. Now there's no doubt there's a scarcity of people out there with the great resignation and things are tough, but I know people who are doing well, Right. I know people who are finding people that are fulfilling the work and doing well. How are they doing that? And I say that has something to do with their leadership, their ability to connect with people, invite them in, have that person see that their personal agendas will be powerfully met if they get behind this corporate agenda, that they're acknowledged, that they're trained well, that they're thought about, that they're invited to contribute, that their opinion matters, et cetera. You know, and there's, there are all nuances in all of that, but I think that you find, I think you attract the level of player that your concern will deal with. What do you so mean? So if I'm concerned about, if I look at you as a tool and I'm looking for tools, I'm going to get tools mm -hmm. and tools aren't loyal. <laughs> Somebody to just make my problems go away. That's right. And then they're going to fail. They're not going to do well. If I'm looking for a teammate, if I'm looking for a co-participant, somebody I can train, that's somebody you know, that really has a, that are lined up with our vision. Like I got a friend coming over from Italy. And Adrian, by the way, I forgot to tell you that. Just uh, Davide, I'm going to introduce you to him. He's coming over this next week. He wants, he'll be in LA. He wants to have coffee. So I just thought I'd throw that in there. I forgot to tell you that, uh, but he's coming on the podcast, by the way. I know. It's all right. <laughs> and he's coming over here because 
he wants, you know, it's getting tight in Europe, and it's particularly Italy's nuts. So he wants to come over. He knows he's a very good consultant, right? And so he's he's making requests that are really uncomfortable for him. I know they are. And but he's making them in a very powerful way. He's asking specifically for what he wants. I noticed he's setting my expectations like I'm just exploring. I just want to look. Would you happen to be interested in just seeing if anything would emerge from a conversation? Would Adrian be interested in just doing that? And I said, sure, I think we would. We definitely would. He's a talented guy. But I noticed the way he's making the request. It's very clear. And we're you know, we're vetting each other's expectations and concerns. And I think it takes some vulnerability to do that. You got to be vulnerable to your vision. got to be vulnerable to the other person's needs. You got to be willing to not have what you want to find out what it's going to take to get what you want. And I think what happens is if we don't, if you try to beat around the bush, you try to, you know, you don't want to have the tough conversations. Well, that eats your time up. <laughs> And, yeah. and 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 it yeah. creates a very um, unstable foundation to go move forward and and ultimately more work than you had planned on. Yeah, I uh, I I'm thinking about the context here as well, and around you know where I think you know most leaders might be struggling because um, really it's I, I think maybe maybe the thing the question is like am I am I am I fully utilizing my time. That's a, that's a question. That's an ever flowing question. Am I fully utilizing my time? Am I utilizing the opportunity that the space is right? I've got, anyway, I've got 10 minutes here. I've got an hour here. I've got three hours here. And what's, what's the way to fully utilize that or get the most out of it? Like fully optimize it, like find the possibilities. Um, and you know, it, it's been hitting me. Um, I'm about to step in and have a conversation with it, uh, do a keynote at a uh, online company and for their sales kickoff event. And I, and I think the part of the conversation, one of the big points I'm going to have is generating um, or I guess owning the fact that each of us individually is culture. Like I am culture, but that, that concept that I have a culture that I bring with me. And, and as, and my invitation to them is going to, is going to be to try on this. I will, will you culture? And I will, will you culture, which is a, a culture based on promise and request. And my, my challenges with my own time management, I think comes in both. And you, I think really eloquently, you pointed out how Davide is really, you know, really distinctly making uncomfortable requests for the sake of the future he wants. Yeah. He's, he's foregoing some of his own ego, right? He's a very accomplished guy. He doesn't need, you know, would rather not need or want to make these types of requests, but he's like, you know, thinking through really what's worth it. What's worth me humbly making some requests, which is really powerful. Most people don't entertain that. Um, and, and I know for me, most of the suffering in my life, you know, I'll even tell a joke. Usually, you know, I always need more help than I want. I always, almost always like fucking gravity. I always need more help than I want. I'd rather not need help. I'd rather pull it off myself. I'd rather look like the savior. I'd rather, da, 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 you know, suffer in silence, all the thing. And I would just need more help than I want. So anyway, the, the aim at like, what requests could I be making that would generate more time and space for myself? That's one question, but also, the other question, the I will, so that's the will you, 
part of the, the distinction. The other side is the I will part of the distinction. Mm-hmm. I think I know for me in this conversation is how many times am I unwilling to make some kind of declaration that gets me above the time conversation? Because time usually is related to a scarcity, like how little of it we have. And sorry, I didn't have enough time to, and I would if I had more time. And, and, and I usually stop myself. I know people can do this too. Stop myself from making a declaration that would naturally resort the kind of dog and pony show that I have about my own time. Up, to, up into that point, right? Yeah. Up into that point, right? Like an like, interruption. You know, it's like a, like, yeah. You know, like, can I make a promise that would require me to reorient myself and those around me to time and space? Yeah. Like, hey, we're get, we need to get this done in a week. And people are going to say, that's impossible. We can't do yeah. it. Well, okay. But we're going to get this done in a week. Now, how could we do it? Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. I My wife bought me a Peloton for Christmas. They're supposed to deliver it tomorrow and they're late. They're not going to do it. So I've had three calls with their Filipino call services over in the Philippines, right? So I'm like, hey, guys, can I talk to somebody in the U.S.? Because I see that it's just sitting in Boise. It's only 30 miles away. Can I get it delivered? They say, oh, no, it's against the policy. I said, is there something I can do to get it delivered early? First guy says, no. I said, is there somebody I can talk to above you? Yes. So after the third call, now they're going to have the delivery center in Boise call me tomorrow. So, but I, I, I could tell they, they kept all three of them kept saying what they moved it from the fourth to the second of February. I said, but that's too, I had this plan. I, because of the promise, is there any other way? And Event now I'm going to talk to the guy, but I'm getting to where I need to go. I, I, they say Peloton won't let me pick it up. So now my next request from the guy in Boise is, can I have some other service pick it up? Right. But it's like I have it's like thinking through. I really want to have this work. Maybe it's not going to work out, but what request will get me there? Otherwise, I would have been settled for the second. I'm going to find out if there's any possibility. And um, these guys were great. They worked with me. But I had the same call three times until finally I got them to keep, connect me to the, the main office. But I, how often do we, I, I think about how often I give up because I just don't want the trouble. I'm yeah. forming a request. Yeah. Well, that's, well, and there's something that even goes unnoticed in this story, um, which is back to my point is your willingness to drive to Boise to get it. Yeah. Right. Right. So, and I think about leaders that struggle with time and how really precious they are about the hierarchy. Yeah. Like, I don't want to, if you don't like, what are you not willing to do? That's probably going to be the ceiling. Yeah. Like that's the commitment. That's that unseen spirit behind the intention. I walked into, I walked into the bank today uh, coincidentally to pull all of my money out of the bank for my business account and take it to a bit different bank because of how they were handling my account. And I walked in and all of the tellers are busy doing something, but there's like three, uh, higher up, you know, whatever they are at desks doing nothing. I can overhear one of them on a phone call with a family member or something just in deep in the gossip or whatever. And I'm standing there waiting for 10, now 15, now 20 minutes. And they'll look at me and 
you know, and then go do whatever that, and I, I just sat there thinking like, wow, isn't it interesting that whatever I'm here to do, that looks like I'm here to do with a teller is below whatever they think their threshold is within this organization. Now the bank has a terrible reputation, uh, an incredibly low score on Google and like, you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, Oh, I'm starting to understand like this, this hierarchy is respected more than like getting the thing done. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, if you, and if you, you actually can sometimes penetrate that if you make powerful requests. Sure. Yeah. I've watched, I mean, we watch Eileen, we kind of joke. If we want something, we send Eileen to get it. Yeah. <laughs> She'll just keep asking and finding her like water, finding the crack on all the way in. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, yeah. a, you know, it's a big deal. It's funny. Cause there's a faith in, there's a scripture that says, ask, seek and knock. Right. Uh, Jesus, they said, you know, if you want something, ask, seek, and knock. And then it goes on to say, it goes on to describe the way to ask. If you want to get something for somebody that's come over to visit you, like here's some bread, it says, go ask your neighbor. And if your neighbor does knock on the door, and if they don't answer it, keep knocking until you wake them up, until they give you what you want to get rid of you. <laughs> I find that to be, because that's the thing we're all trying not to be that guy. But sometimes it requires us to be that guy. <laughs> you know, if you have a kid, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I'll just say, say it because I think some of the, if, if you're a leader listening to what are some of the log, I'd wonder what are some of the log gems in my organization? Like where are things yeah. currently stuck and where have I, justified staying disconnected from those and just judging them from a distance and how quickly might a 10 minute conversation, most potent conversations, the, the, the potency of even a longer conversation is like a few, sometimes a few seconds, let alone a few minutes. And where might, you know, an exponential change happen with just a few seconds or minutes of sincere heartfelt, connected commitment to the goal. And, uh, you know, wherever you're, wherever you're right now complaining that things aren't moving as fast as then it's eating up your time, you know, where might a, a new conversation just be waiting for you to show up and you might need to break some rules, quote unquote, on what's appropriate for somebody at my position. Yeah, like or, what are you unwilling to risk? Like, what, yeah. At what level? Yeah. Looking good, yeah. doing good, being right, being wrong. You know, like, where is it? Well, even, you know, it, this is, people love to complain about meetings that, you know, and, and we rarely inquire into, and we've got a great episode about this, but we rarely inquire into how to orient the people in the meeting to get the most out of the meeting. Yeah. And we're on just as such a default setting about, oh, this meeting happens every Tuesday and everybody hates it. And nobody's saying, Hey, what's the best use of our time here? How do we get how do we get more out of 35 minutes than we did out of an hour? Yeah. Or what do I want out of this meeting and how do I get that? Like, as like, I love the statement, this meeting is a waste of time. Well, then why did you come? And if you came, what did you want to get done? You know, as yeah. I, I, I used to work for a guy named John Hanley and he'd call a meeting, right? And say, okay, all, all of you trainers or, you know, city, city teams come in and let's talk, you know, management teams. And then he'd get up on the pulpit on the, on the bully pulpit there for the meeting, it would be 50, 60 of us. And he'd say, all right, why'd you call this meeting? 
<laughs> we'd all fry up. Wait a minute, you called this meeting. But he was getting us like, okay, you're here. What are you going to have happen here? What do you want to get out of this meeting that's going to make it worth your time? Or are you just going to sit there and use it as a reason to complain when you leave and waste even more, more time than tell me about how come you don't have time? So I have a question to, I think, wrap things up here, if you guys are willing. So both of you, um, I mean, with demanding schedules, Dan, you already mentioned like things are going berserk in, in the business right now and so many new opportunities and um, just daily the new things coming across your table. And I'm curious how I, I love, I absolutely love coining this term of time leadership. I think it's really great. I don't know if anybody else uses that term, but I think it, I love It'll it. A, I'm going to expect <laughs> to see it in one of your promos. <laughs> Um, I really love the idea. Um, and I love the, the, just the, the phrase itself. How do each of you, um, quickly in a closing comment, how do each of you lead your own time? How do you show up as powerful leaders in your own time? Namely, what I'm thinking is like, how do you decide what you, uh, make time for and what you don't? Yeah, well, I, I can go first. Um, and I mean, I think the honest, the honest first confession is sometimes I'm really intentional about it. Sometimes I'm not. So, and I, I don't know many people that are, are, there's some certain personalities that are just really rigorous type personalities and they're just very, you know, mechanical and, um, love that. And then love breaking stuff down and like really having a very, um, uh, what do I want to say besides rigorous, just very hyper predictable schedule. Um, and I'm not that guy. I'm not wired that way. So on my, on my great days, so on my bad days, I'm showing up, I'm thinking through, you know, I look at the schedule and I think through like, what are the, what are the core, the core issues at hand? And, and I'll see if I can, and I'll work those things out along the way and I'll make a list on my really great days. Um, I'm just really intentional would be the first word to me. It's thinking like, what's most important? What's most important to me? And I think of it holistically, right? I always, anytime I'm making a list of, of commitments I have, not like shit I got to do, like, what am I committed to? And I think of it in at least a couple, in some ways nominalized uh, or generalized domains, like work commitments and personal commitments. And um, if I'm clear about that, then I can actually think through, um, what, how to, how to utilize space in my day, how to really utilize space in my day. And I'm making a list of those things. And one of, I know for me, one of the challenges and for many people, um, I'll make uh, most to-do lists are actually usually project lists and they never move anywhere because they're projects where it's like, um, launch a podcast. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Or, or if I'm thinking about like, you know, plan scouts birthday, yeah, that's a project. That's like 55 things in one comment and I'll never do it because plan scouts birthday isn't actionable. Right. You know? So, um, when I'm, when I'm really intentional about it, I actually get honest about how much work there is to do, which I'd prefer not to do because if I'm honest about, 
how much work there is to do that I'll probably utilize that as a reason for me not to engage because there's too much, blah, blah, blah. So I usually try to aim really, really distinctly and specifically and get some momentum early in the day and knock out a bunch of stuff that I can do or make some, make some early requests, which, which when I'm not on my game, I feel really alone. When I'm on my game, I realize I've got resources all around me, whether it's like to ask Dan for help or ask Chad, if we're doing something together or ask Bethany, the art, you know, our manager um, uh, for some help early or to ask Ali, even in my personal life, Hey, can you, I did that today. Hey, can you help look at this thing? Can you you know make this decision? So intentionality when I'm on it and I've got a list of those things and there's sometimes like, you know, I, I, and I'll tell myself, I don't get to, especially if I've waited a while, I don't get to go to bed tonight until this is done. Yeah. Which is a form of promising to myself and negotiating with myself. Cause there's lots of kind of chill, cool, fun things I want to do at night. Um, but if I make a deal with myself that not tonight, man, like I'm, I'm, I'm already negotiating with my future self and my future self already said, Hey man, get this shit done. And so my present self has to like deliver on that promise. Um, or, you know, he, the next Adrian that wakes up, you know, the next day is going to feel the price of it. So I want to be in that real conversation, like what really matters most. And that might be this kind of cubby box two, like what's important, but maybe not that urgent. Um, and there's always lots of things which are usually like conversations that I need to move forward that aren't that specific, like that one contract that like needs to be nudged. And if I do it today, a week from now, the thing's going to land. Um, and if I'm just scurrying around acting like I don't have any time, I won't make that. I won't send that simple text message that literally takes me 10 seconds. So if I have that presence of mind, which I, which I really want to every day, I don't have it every day, then my world feels movable and like I can get what I want. And you said a phrase earlier, Dan, like have it all work out. Most people don't jump into a conversation about time thinking, how do I have it all work out? They actually, they actually think, what am I going to be disappointed with? What am I okay being disappointed about is what most people think. Yeah. Trade-offs like rather than what's, what's wanted needed. And sometimes a trade-off is, but that's a last resort. Um, I, the thing that comes to my mind is a lot, and I have a little sign in my, right above my table by my bed, it says, life isn't fair, it's what you negotiate. And so I think a lot about just what do I want to negotiate to have this turn out? Like, how do I have it all turn out? What are the things, and I'm, I'm like Adrian, but I, um, on my good days, I'm all over it. And on my bad days, I'm not. I tend to be, I'm, I have this thing called a ranger. I, I tend to think in a big picture, like who fits where. So if something gets stuck, I think who first? Like if I can't do this, who could? Who, who's got the stuff that could do this better than I could? How can I hook them into that and benefit them as well? So I, that's a big thought of mine. I like working with people. So um, I think a lot about how I can empower people to, you know, do what they want and support. And that benefits what I want too. How can I do that? So I think a lot about it. And I'm very specific when I make a call. A lot of times when I make a request, if I'm on my game, it's, you know, it's got an end date with a very clear result. And I can manage that. Um, <clears throat> I don't like to receive requests unless 
they're specific and I know what the outcome is. But, you know, just being clear about, is this really what I want? <laughs> is this going in the direction I want? Is this a project that's really going to be worthwhile? Or is this something I'm just, this is a shiny object, which Adrian's helped me a number of times. I, I, I do a lot of counsel, like a consultation, like, what do you guys think of this? You know, um, a couple of times we've had people I want to do business with and just, you know, I go, hey, what do you guys think? And they're not all in. And I got to think about why they're not all in. And I start saying, yeah, that makes sense. Or, you know, maybe they don't see something I see or what am I not seeing that they're seeing, right? So um, I really like to invite a 10th man in somebody, if I'm all in on the project, somebody who can poke holes in it and sh show me how to make it better, which, you know, when we get Tyler Kelly on, he's that for me, you know, and so is Adrian. So is Mark, as a matter of fact, so are you, right? So do you have people in your life that get on your team and then they, it's not like they're devil's advocate because they're committed to your commitment. So they're poking holes in it to make the commitment even more, uh, make the possibility of it, that asymmetry even more positive. Yeah. So those are my thoughts. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Adrian. Uh, I think there's a lot of valuable stuff in here. I got, I got a bit out of it. So thank you so much for the conversation. Appreciate it. Thank you, Chad, for having thank us you. do this. Love, love hanging out with you, man. Looking forward to our next one. Yeah, thank you for leading our time, Chad. Yeah, exactly. I will lead your time from here on out. I just expect give, to see that in a promo. Just give it all to me. <laughs> Remember where you heard it. <laughs> the same place I hear all my stuff. It would just be me giving credits, everything I say. Don't do it. Just go for it. Own it. I always say. <laughs> after I heard it. Uh, thanks so much, guys. Bye-bye, everybody. Ciao. Well, my friends, thank you so much for listening to yet another conversation on the Naked Leadership Podcast. Your listenership and commitment to the podcast means the world to us. If this podcast or these conversations has helped or inspired you in any way, would you mind going to Apple Podcasts and leaving a five-star rating and a glowing review? This helps us grow the movement and reach more leaders and teams. Finally, the greatest compliment that you can give us is sharing the podcast with your teams and the other leaders in your life. Until next week, bye-bye everybody.